Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun, our weekly podcast with stories about the weather and climate. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Dean DeVore, and for me, like so many others, this is Vacation Week. So here on Episode 7 of our summer series, I'm recording this from my Vacation Week spot for the past 13 summers. I'm happily sitting on my front porch here in Provincetown, Massachusetts in Cape Cod. You know, friends, our goal in this summer series has been to get you ready for everything that summer has to offer. And while the fight against COVID-19 continues to impact our lives in ever-changing ways, there is certainly that growing sense in all of us that we need a break. For some of us, the opportunity to travel to distant locations is still not possible. But one positive thing about this summer of 2020, it's offered us the ability to slip the surly bonds of our world, spending as many clear summer nights as possible escaping our troubles by gazing at some amazing celestial events. AccuWeather meteorologist Brian Leda will join me to get us caught up on this special summer in the sky, just in time as a comet takes center stage. And we enter an amazing period as Earth has gone between Jupiter and many of the planets and continues to give us some amazing things to see in the sky. And as more and more of us try to get some time away from life's problems and spend time with close friends and family, meteorologist Brian Thompson will join me with a forecast for this upcoming weekend and the week beyond, who will have the best opportunities to see the Neowise Comet and other great things in the sky, who will have some great boat, beach, or lake weather, and whether there's anything brewing in the tropics that we should be concerned about. It may be vacation week, but there's still plenty to discuss. So friends, let's get ready and talk about everything under the sun. Here on Cape Cod over the past week, with an abundance of good weather and with less light pollution than many other places, I have really been fortunate to be able to see some of the spectacular sights in the nighttime sky. If you remember back in episode two of our summer series here of Everything Under the Sun, we welcomed in AccuWeather meteorologist Brian Leda. He laid out all of the celestial highlights of the summer of 2020. And if you've probably heard by now already, yes, we are excited to welcome Comet Neowise into the sky, and it's about to get some primetime viewing opportunities. So I thought it'd be a good time to welcome back Brian, who's one of our meteorologists who writes stories for AccuWeather.com and coordinates our AccuWeather astronomy pages and Twitter feed. And Brian will give us all the details of Neowise and all the things in the summer nighttime skies. Brian, it's good to be with you again. And Man, so much going on. Let's kind of recap where we are. You know, when we first talked in episode two, uh, we were at just at the beginning of summer and we had some great conjunction views of the moon with some of the morning uh, planet stars that we were seeing. And we talked about that. And, and we went through the kind of the big kickoff celestial event, which was the uh, full moon and, of course, then the eclipse of the moon on July 4th. Now, I was for that, Brian. It wasn't exactly a spectacular evening. There were some high clouds, and I think that dimmed the situation. I'll tell you what, that was one of the brightest full moons I remember, because when the high clouds weren't involved, it was just an amazing night. But it wasn't such an amazing eclipse. I think uh, we tried to 
tempered people to that, that it wasn't going to be. But uh, it was a pretty amazing night anyway, if you got to see the full moon and the partial eclipse. Yeah, my book, as long as you're outside and you see the full moon, that's a win in my book. But with a lunar eclipse, before the one that we had on the night of the 4th of July, the most recent one was a total lunar eclipse where the whole moon goes dark. It actually appears kind of red and orangish in color. So the last time that people in North America saw lunar eclipse, that's what they saw. The spectacular one, right? The one that uh, is kind of etched in your mind. Exactly. And I remember that specifically because it was a really cold night. It was January. So I remember freezing my butt off when I was out yep. you know, looking at it. But then we fast forward to this one that we just had in early July. And this was not a total eclipse. It was a penumbral lunar eclipse in which the moon only grazes the outside of the Earth's shadow. So it's it's very subtle. And I was outside for it. It was a clear night where I was. Right. I didn't even know it was going on. I was wondering the same thing. So I was kind of giving it the benefit of the doubt. There were some high clouds. And it wasn't a long time, right? 20, 30 minute window or something like that. I want to say the whole eclipse lasted about two hours. But that sweet spot, you know, around the middle of the eclipse, yeah, about 20, 30 minutes. Even in that time frame, it really wasn't all that noticeable. If you did a side to side comparison, you might be able to tell the difference, but just right. looking up at it, it, it was just so subtle. I think people had high expectations. And yes, there technically was an eclipse, but it wasn't that dazzling. But the brightness of the moon that night to me, then when it did clear out, was extremely dazzling. So it was just kind of a magical night anyway. And then being on the 4th of July with fireworks and everything uh, around you, uh, it was a pretty cool situation. So that was kind of the kickoff. And Look, folks, right now you are really in the midst of, of some amazing stuff. And some of it we expected, Brian. And one, we kind of got a pleasant surprise with a newly found comet that is the lighting stargazers. And it's about to get a, a real new show time. It's been kind of an early morning situation, this comet. But it's about to get some prime time in the evenings in the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, all year we've been playing up the fact that this summer is a great one for stargazing. There's a lot of things to see in the sky. Jupiter and Saturn are bright throughout the entire summer. And then out of the blue came this comet. Uh, there was actually two comets earlier this year that showed a bit of promise, Comet right. Atlas and Comet Swan. And both of those kind of fizzled out. And then they discovered Comet Neowise in March. And it was showing promise, but everyone was a little skeptical based on those <laughs> first two comets. But, you know, third time's a charm. Comet Neowise lived up to its expectations, and it's actually bright enough now to see with the naked eye. Is there, is there an average of the number of comets that we discover uh, a year? Uh, are we still discovering a couple, a dozen? I'm not sure on the exact number, but we are looking out for comets all the time. Uh, the space telescope that discovered this comet was actually called Neowise, and this telescope's main objective is for looking for asteroids that are going to come close to the Earth, as well as comets that are kind of coming out of the blue, way out in the depths of our solar system that we just don't know about. Yeah, so this telescope, it discovered this comet, we're able to track where it was, and they actually figured out it only comes around once every 6,800 years. Wow. So this has visited the inner solar system before, and people might have seen this, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago, but 
we didn't really know it was coming this time around. It was a bit of a surprise for everyone. Of course, the most famous comment, I think now still probably Haley's uh, just because of its lure over the years. And that's what, about a 75 year cycle for Haley's? You hit the nail on the head there. So every 75 years, Haley's comment comes around. And that's one reason why it's so well known, because it's pretty frequent. We know when it's going to come by next how bright it's going to be, where to see it in the sky. And that's just because it comes around so often. Yeah, and then I remember there was one, as it was in the 70s, that uh, kind of caught people by surprise that was a little bit better. And yeah, uh, over the years we've been having this, but this is this is amazing. Now, I caught a glimpse of it in the early morning sky a few mornings in the last week or so. And it is amazing when you get to see it. It's also been amazing juxtaposed to some of the other planets that we're still really watching. We'll talk more about the comet situation here in a minute, but I want to go back to the planets. The planets in the night sky and then the more early morning sky have been just amazing to me, Brian. Uh, Jupiter and Saturn, Mars and Venus has been a really amazing thing to see in the early morning sky the last week or so. Uh, So talk a little bit about that and those conjunctions that continue here over the next couple of weeks. So this is kind of the sweet spot of summer when it comes to stargazing. If you step outside, it's clear out and it's dark outside, you could spot a couple of planets. Right after sunset, you were able to see Jupiter and Saturn rising in the eastern sky and they're up all night long. By about midnight, Mars will start to rise, and you could tell it's Mars because it actually appears a little red in color, so it stands out from all the other stars and planets. And then, like you said, in the early morning, Venus is just putting on a show. It's brighter than anything else in the sky apart from the moon. Definitely can't miss it if you're out, you know, an hour or two before sunrise. What uh, direction Venus is uh, in eastern Yeah, Venus is in the eastern sky, and it's actually not too far away from where you were able to see Comet Neowise earlier this month. And I, and I wondered if there may be some confusion with the two, or will they be distinct enough that you'll be able to tell the difference? Because when I've seen Venus, it, it almost looks almost stretched out a little bit because it hangs so low on the sky. I think it gets a little refracted, maybe, the, the light from it. Yeah, I could see how people can confuse them. You know, they're out looking for a comet, this part of the sky, and then they see Venus, and they think, oh, that's got to be it. You see a comet, one of the telltale signs is there's actually a bit of a tail that appears just above it. Um, This comet, it is technically visible to the naked eye, but it's still pretty dim, not nearly as bright as Venus, and it it does have that tail appearing just above it. So that's how you can tell the difference between the comet and one of these bright planets. So a good thing to do would be get out to an area where there's less light pollution. Binoculars okay for maybe the comet if you don't have a, a portable telescope, Ryan? Is that is that something that might help you? Even if you can see it with the naked eye, I highly recommend just grabbing any pair of binoculars that you have that does some kind of magnification. You don't need the telescope. It's technically visible to the naked eye. I was actually looking for it last night, and it was in my city, and there's a bit of light pollution, so I couldn't quite make it out. But with some binoculars, I was able to see it. It was dim, but it was there. Uh, So if you're planning to look for this, definitely head out away from city lights to a nice dark area where it will really stand out in the dark sky. Coming towards the end of uh, vacation season, I, of course, up in Provincetown here on the Cape and enjoying a, a place where there is less light pollution. And as folks get to some more secluded places where uh, they're enjoying uh, some time with their close-knit friends and family and the situation that's going on, are there some other things that we need to look forward to, Brian, as we head towards 
Labor Day and towards the fall that will perk us up in the sky here as we get into August and September. One last thing about this comet, it will be visible through about July 25th to the northwest. Uh, So after sunset, look to the northwest, and it's actually going to be between the horizon and the Big Dipper. And a lot of people know the Big Dipper. It's one of the more well-known constellations. So that's the part of the sky that you want to look until about you know, July 25th or so. After that, it's going to get pretty dim. You won't be able to see it without a telescope. Uh, So your window's kind of closing of the opportunity to see this comet. But after it passes, we still have plenty to look for, uh, particularly at the end of July. The night of July 28th into the 29th, we have two meteor showers peaking on the same night. Uh, This is going to bring about 20 meteors per hour, so nothing outrageous, but we haven't had a meteor shower since May. So Definitely want to head out for there. As long as you have clear skies, check that AccuWeather app to see the cloud forecast and head out for a night of stargazing to try to catch some shooting stars. And again, when is uh, one of those dates and, and what are the names of those two? So the two meteor showers are the Alpha Capricornids and the Southern Delta Aquarids. Uh, a little technical based on hmm. what part of the sky they appear and right. what constellations they're near. That's how all meteor showers get their name. But really, the only thing you need to know is it peaks on the night of July 28th and into the, the morning of the 29th. Best after midnight, but you can't rule out a couple meteors in the first half of the night. Any potential for fireballs in those? I mean, the larger meteors that would create uh, maybe some even brighter flashes than just the actual suiting stars? Yeah, definitely. With the Delta Aquarids particularly, they're known for their fireballs. Uh, Meteors are really, they're basically like little grains of sand that ignite in the Earth's atmosphere. And the meteors associated with the Delta Aquarids are a little bit bigger than that, maybe like small pebbles. And even though they're just that, slight difference in size it makes a big difference when they light up in the atmosphere and that creates what we know as a fireball which is incredibly bright sometimes you can even hear a sound if it's really big but it'll light up the entire sky for a couple of seconds so even though you might not see a lot of meteors per hour if you catch one or two fireballs that's going to be huge and then brian i think what in august one of my favorite because it always kind of coincided with uh, some family time that we were up in the mountains and we could get into some dark spots and watch them at night the perseids coming in august is that correct yeah it's still a little bit down the road but i would say mark out on your calendar right now because you don't want to miss it the perseids is one of the top meteor showers of the year and that peaks on the night of august 11th into the 12th you can see anywhere from 60 to 100 meteors per hour And there's some spectacular meteors with this. They could have long trails, really bright. Uh, So you definitely don't want to miss this show, especially since it's still kind of warm outside. It's not going to be too cold out underneath the stars for the night. So definitely August 11th and the 12th, you don't want to miss the Perseids. Some great memories. Uh, That's the time we would spend and we'd be up in the mountains and we'd find this uh, abandoned field that we could just kind of camp out there for an hour or two and count them up, all those uh, stars flying in the sky. Brian, it's been amazing talking to you. You and I share the geekiness of it, and Brian does an amazing job helping curate and keep track of our AccuAstronomy site, AccuWeather Astronomy site. It's AccuAstronomy on Twitter, and all of his great information and his team's articles you can find on AccuWeather.com. I think we'll check in probably one more time towards the end of summer, maybe even the beginning of fall here as we get uh, closer to some of the other bigger meteor showers as we get into fall itself, Brian. Yeah, fall is kind of the meteor shower season, as we call it. There's a lot of meteor showers, so a lot of stargazing opportunities. And just like the seasons change throughout the year, the sky changes throughout the year. So 
there's always something different to look for in the night sky as we head into fall and then eventually early winter. Brian, thanks for being with me here today on Everything Under the Sun. Thanks for having me. Friends, you can keep up to date on the latest in the skies overhead with AccuWeather.com. Make sure you look out for our special astronomy section and also follow our Twitter feed that specializes in celestial events at AccuAstronomy. That's A-C-C-U Astronomy. Up next, another Brian. Brian Thompson joins me to find out who's going to have the best opportunities for nighttime sky viewing, beach going, barbecuing, whatever you're doing this upcoming weekend as it unfolds. That's up next on Everything Under the Sun. Listen to Weather Insider every weekday for a discussion on trending weather news with me, Bernie Reno, and Evan Myers. You'll get detailed insight into major weather events and learn the why behind the weather. Just subscribe to Weather Insider on your favorite podcast platforms today. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun as Vacation Week continues as uh, I welcome in a good friend and someone who's been uh, taking care of business for me back at Vacation Week. Brian Thompson joins Everything Under the Sun. I've been wanting to get you on this podcast for a while, and I thought this would be a good time. Brian's been helping out, filling in on uh, the radio stations that I cover in the morning. He covers them in the afternoon drive time. Uh, We've uh, kind of flipped spots. And Brian, first of all, welcome to the podcast, and thank you for the amazing weather that I'm enjoying up here in Cape Cod this <laughs> nice week. Nice blue sky up there. It is looking gorgeous. Um, you know, and let's let's kind of sometimes, first of all, I want to get folks, you know, we hear names and we see people and um, you're part of uh, our podcast, uh, Field Conditions, which takes a look at sports and weather and, mm-hmm. you know, folks hear you, but uh, I want to get folks uh, learning a little bit more about our AccuWeather meteorologist. You grew up in uh, northeastern Pennsylvania, went to Penn State. Yep. Um, how many how many years now at AccuWeather? You're over. This will be uh, eight in October. Eight in October. Brian worked at uh, a local TV station WTAJ just down the road in Altoona, and then came to us eight years ago, and has been an amazing person because he can do all the media stuff. And then everything else in between, you can do everything under the sun. So, Brian, it's great to have you. Um, yeah, let's go back to where we kind of left the podcast last week, where we were getting ready, ramping up for Faye. I had Dan Kalowski on. We actually updated that. Faye came through. And honestly, where I was in Cape Cod, you wouldn't have really known it. It came through that Friday night. And by Saturday, it was gorgeous here. And, you know, we didn't see that troughiness set up as much along the eastern seaboard. We've got a little bit of a surprise. I think it's a little cooler and drier, lower humidity up here in the northeast of New England than I was thinking this late in the week. It looks like the heat's kind of held off a little bit. So a lot of things to talk about, maybe a little bit of different kind of setup than we were expecting this week going into it. Yeah, you kind of lucked out with uh, with Faye. Uh, the, the storm track went up a little farther west. And that ultimately took a lot of the rain, uh, the heaviest rain, into uh, western parts of New England and uh, even back into parts of New York State and uh, eastern Pennsylvania as well. The way this week has has really uh, evolved, we expected it to be kind of a really hot week across a lot of the country, especially into uh, the northeast. Looked like it was really going to heat up. That's kind of been delayed a little bit. The, the ridge has not been quite as prominent uh, as we were originally thinking. But the heat is going to start to win out as we head toward the weekend. Uh, and I think that's going to be the big weather story as we head into the weekend is uh, across a lot of the country is the heat. So there's going to be heat building across much of the northeast, mid-Atlantic, all the way back through the Midwest and the plains. Uh, we're going to have triple-digit heat in the plains this weekend. And in the northwest where it's been kind of cool this month, at least the, the much of the first half of the month is on the cool side, 
it's finally starting to warm up as well. And places like Seattle and Portland will start to get in on the uh, warmer action uh, later this weekend and into early next week. And as we go into the weekend itself, too, I mean, we had had some concern uh, to keep an eye on the eastern seaboard uh, for possible another system coming up along it. That that didn't really occur. We also had some thoughts about uh, keeping an eye on the Gulf, and that doesn't seem like anything's really activated there. So cross our fingers, we're going into another prime July week with really and weekend and coming into the upcoming week where we don't really have to worry about, it looks like the Eastern Basin, uh, the Atlantic Basin of the tropics right now. Yeah, at least the short term, it looks pretty quiet in the, in the tropics. And there really isn't, aren't a lot of big weather systems to uh, watch at this, uh, at this point in time, partially because we have, uh, I talked about the heat building across a lot of country. Really, the mechanism for that is a pretty sizable ridge across the country, and that keeps a lot of the major weather players off to our north. There will be a cold front coming across the Great Lakes, parts of the Midwest uh, this weekend. It may touch off some stronger storms in the Western Lakes this weekend. Outside of that, a lot of areas are going to be dry, and the areas that aren't uh, are generally just going to be dealing with pop-up summertime thunderstorms. There really aren't a lot of big rainmakers on the map here as we head through the weekend and uh, even into the early part of next week. So in our opening segment, we talked with Brian Leda. Obviously, um, this has been an amazing celestial uh, summer for things going on mm-hmm. in the sky. And that is really kind of taking center stage now with this comet uh, Neowise. And I am excited because I think I'm in a prime spot. Good opportunities, I think, up here in the Northeast with some dry, clear nights to see the common and everything else that's going on up in the sky. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the case in a lot of places. Again, with with a lack of a lot of major weather systems, uh, a lot of these thunderstorms develop during the afternoon hours, and, and as they die off in the evening... A lot of times you will get some clearing. So, of course, there's going to be some areas where the the clouds and spotty thunderstorms linger a little longer. But I think for the most part, a lot of areas are going to have a, a good look at this over the next several days. So as we go into the week and the week beyond, it looks like that searing heat, that baking heat starts to expand back into the northeast as we go through the weekend. And those 100, 105, 110 degree real fields that will be bottled up in the southeast this weekend will start to expand. So I think I'm coming back into reality here, Brian, coming back into central Pennsylvania for some uh, hot weather up in this upcoming week or so. Yeah, because you're going to dodge even some of the uh, some of the heat this weekend uh, that'll be reaching southern New England. But of course, uh, along the coast and on the Cape, things are uh, a little cooler, uh, at least highs only in the 80s instead of the 90s. But uh, yeah, early next week, that, that cold front that's coming in from the Midwest doesn't look like, at least initially, it's going to have a whole lot of luck getting the heat out of places like the lakes and the northeast. It may knock the temperatures down a little bit, but overall, it's still going to stay somewhat humid. And uh, it is going to stay pretty warm as well. Brian is an avid golfer. Looks like uh, folks in the Northeast this weekend should have a pretty good golf situation. Uh, there may be some thunderstorms in the upper Midwest and the Southwest, but a lot of the country dry, good golfing weather, good opportunities to be outside, socially distant when you can, to be able to get outside and enjoy some good weather. It looks like a pretty good weekend and early next week. Yeah, uh, just uh, again, there's just maybe some spotty storms. I can always check the AccuWeather app uh, as those pop up, but uh, for most places, even in areas that do see a thunderstorm, most of the day is going to be rain-free. Uh, just make sure you drink uh, plenty of fluids this weekend, uh, as again, most of the country, it's going to be pretty hot uh, if you're out uh, golfing or doing any other outdoor activities. Brian Thompson, you can hear him uh, mostly weekday afternoons, but he's been happy, uh, great enough to fill in for me this past you, week. You've got uh, my in alarm clock ringing a little earlier this week. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Dean. 
friends, that'll do it for this week's episode. We really appreciate the comments and questions we've received and certainly invite you to reach out to us. If you have a story suggestion, a question, or other comment, you can reach us at our email address, accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com. That's accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com. In the coming weeks here on Everything Under the Sun, we'll round out this summer season, commemorate the anniversary of Hurricane Katrina, and fast forward into fall with more stories about how the weather and climate will affect you. Please, if you enjoy this podcast, share it with a friend. Let them know they can download and listen to the entire family of AccuWeather podcasts at our website, accuweather.com slash podcasts, or you can find them at any of your favorite podcast catcher, like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Make sure you take AccuWeather with you now more than ever as the summer unfolds with our constantly updated daily, hourly, and even our up-to-the-minute cast, where you can see just how long that shower thunderstorm is going to last. For executive producers Ken Prell and Andrew Robb and our entire family of AccuWeather team members, from my vacation week here in Provincetown, Massachusetts, on Cape Cod, I'm Dean DeVore. Thanks for listening. And until next week's episode 8 of our summer series, heading into the last weekend of July, please stay safe and well. 